Welcome to Grind, Grind, Sell, Sell, Elevate, Elevate, with your host, Tizer Evans, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the top minds in all areas of business, entrepreneurship, sales, and leadership. Let's elevate together. All right, everybody. This is Ty with Grind, Sell, and Elevate, and I'm here with Justin Cunningham. Justin, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Ty. Yeah, it's great to uh, to be here, and uh, it's also great to see a dude that wears caps like me. He's rocking the styles with the artwork. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, we've had some already some really great combo for uh, for people. We should we we could have had a whole whole another podcast uh, between Justin and I. But Justin, so you're the founder of you know Justin Cunningham Online. If you could give us a little bit about what you do, and and we definitely need to know about what you've done. Because your life's uh, just so cool and interesting. Oh, thanks, Ty. Yeah, well, well, my primary website now is actually ishiftresults.com. And really, the reason why I shifted that was because I kind of discovered I had this theme going through all of my business life, my creative life, and all these things I've done. And it was always about creating some shift. When I was a musical performer, it was like shift the crowd, you know, move the crowd and when I was a top five skateboarder, it was all like, you know, again, how do I shift shift my body to make things happen? And and so I've always kind of been a bit of a results hacking dude and and done all these things that really required me to kind of face my fear and step into and being brave and all that sort of stuff. When I came into running businesses and managing businesses, you know, what I kind of realized was that uh, most people saw the idea of sales and, and, and doing business as work, hard, difficult, challenging, you know, all these kind of words. And I was yeah. just like, huh, that's really interesting. You know, like, so people are kind of choosing this idea. And for most of my life, I'd kind of always followed my heart, you know, like mm-hmm. I ran skateboard shops. Why? Cause I was a great skateboarder. I designed clothes. Why? Cause I love cool clothes. You know, I, put on music events. Why? Because I wanted to be in them. You know, I put out an album because, you know, I was like, well, I like my, I like producing music. Like, why wouldn't I do that? You know? And, and so for most people, they kind of like, Oh, wow, that sounds really radical. And I go, that is upsetting to me (laughs) that that sounds radical, that you trust, you don't trust yourself enough to do the things that call to you. And, you know, we can all kind of say about practicality and pragmatism and all this sort of stuff. But in my experience, your excellence comes from your ease and your ease comes from your genius and your passion. And, you know, there's the old saying that, you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I'm calling BS on that. I'm saying, no, luck is when passion meets opportunity. Mm. And, and so, when it came to supporting people with sales and outcomes and relationships, I'm trained in a number of behavioral modalities. And what I discovered was there are definitely some golden keys to results hacking these things to get optimum outcomes. And that's really what Shift Your Results is all about. And since then, I've worked from small businesses through to billion dollar businesses like, you know, Coke and Mercedes Benz and Osteo Strong and various different people and helping them with those results hacks. Well, thanks for, thanks for the context. Um, what did you learn, curious, from, you know, being pro skateboarder, you know, getting into hip hop that, 
was easy able to translate into business and, and help your coaching practice now? Well, you know, skateboarding and hip hop are, are essentially still pretty punk alternative pastimes that become more pop now. But mm-hmm. back in the day, not at all. You know, when I was skateboarding at high school, I was being told to get off my board, don't do this, don't do that. You know, when I was, a, you know, more prevalent with the hip hop stuff, it was always like, oh, you're a white boy, what are you doing? And, you know, you're not young and all this sort of stuff. So people in their, in their mind's eye have clearly got an idea about what safety looks like. This is what I found out. I found out that ever since I was a kid that I was pretty brave and ballsy and most people, that scares them. Um, you know, I remember when I was 16 at high school, I was in a pretty large high school. I was really into Billy Idol. <laughs> and uh, and I, I got my uh, hairdresser, skateboarder friend, so I was like, hey, I've got this show coming up. Can I give you like a crazy cool haircut? And so he dyed my hair, you know, platinum blonde like Billy Idol. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be awesome. And then I went to school and there was this school event and the teacher before it started, there's like 300 kids there sort of outside the classrooms, starts the event by saying, I'd just like to say Justin Cunningham's hair is gross. So 300 kids turn around laughing at me and my haircut and I'm sitting there going, (laughs) thanks for that. You know, super upsetting at the time and I just sort of covered it up. But the irony is years later, those very same people who want to conform with all the other sheep are now coming to me to go, how do you stand out? Yeah. Because in the marketplace, if you don't have something that create, that creates some sort of emotional provocation or constructive tension, you're ignored. Mm-hmm. And if you're ignored, you're not making money. You know, like it's just as simple as that. And that's not saying that you necessarily have to be a radical extrovert like me, you know. But you need to be able to communicate and connect on a level that people go, wow, you're really telling my story. You really get me. And and just like we started this interview, I see you're out on the wall and I go, brother from another mother. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, that's what people are looking for. You know, they're actually looking for someone brave enough to say, you know how it really is? It's really like this. And for me, I became like this anti-overwhelm guy because through online marketing and online sales and all that sort of stuff, there was this perception that, you know, if you just do a launch right, you'll have a million dollars in your bank account next week. And, And it follows on from this idea that if you learn more, you'll earn more. And what I discovered that there's so many, so much success mythology and that when you actually do the research, there's no numbers behind it. Goal yeah. setting, 8% effective. You will forget 90% of what you learn within 30 days called the Ebbinghaus curve. You know, like it goes on and on and on. Tony Robbins, Marissa Murgatroyd, leading online educators have both said we have a success rate of about 6% in terms of people getting measurable change from what we do. That's a 94% fail rate. Yeah, wow. I didn't know that. So that says to me, you know, that we've been and so what happens is is of course you keep chasing these ideas that i'm not good enough and i need to do more i need to hustle harder work 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 go hard you know if i work harder than the next guy i'll win i go that isn't true effectiveness is everything and so you know so for me i just realized that what was most important is to focus on conversion pathways Mm -hmm. 
you know, as, as Dan Ariely would say, the social anthropologist, it's, you know, you should focus on two things, you know, uh, is what you're doing adding propulsion or friction? Mm. And as a result of all of that, I created a sales methodology called Connect and Solve. And the process behind that, I call it smarketing, smart marketing that sells. So I combine the idea of sales funnels with sales process because there's very few people talking like that. It's like when well, you learn sales skills and sales process, oh, then you go and do marketing. No, those two things have to be one yeah. in order for this mechanism to work. And so a lot of people will come, will work with me with the initial idea of I want to increase my sales or increase my profit. But I have to do a diagnostic on exactly why is it that your results are where they are at the moment anyway, because the skills isn't that difficult to teach you. Um, but your ability to stand out, you know, transform your clients and have transformative offers and have an optimized business model so that you actually achieve the freedom that your business is designed to give you. Like if those three things aren't being addressed, you're always going to be chasing. Um, so I look at it both specifically and holistically about how to support people to, you know, increase their results. And again, a lot of the time with sales, it's, you can look at all the pragmatic sales stuff we've all heard. There's only three ways you can grow your sales, increase your customers, your average sale and your frequency of sale. And I go, well, that's all well and good, but beliefs form behaviors and behaviors form outcomes. So I have to make sure that stuff is congruent. And in my own journey, I discovered that this was the problem. I'm a very learned guy. I've learned a lot of stuff, done a lot of training. And what I discovered was is that if my beliefs aren't aligned with transformative behavior, don't expect to get a radical outcome. Yep. You know, one of my favorite sayings is you've got to be unreasonable to achieve unreasonable results. And, and that comes from facing fear and bravery, which loops right the way back to your original question, how did skateboarding and hip hop impact that? You know, when you're a battle rapper and some dude's coming at you, it's like a sales conversation. Yeah. Because you're like, whoa, rebuttals. Um, what do I say to this? Yeah. And, you know, so you become this kind of nimble ninja, you know, with language. And, and, and also you start realizing, because you're also entertaining a crowd, you start realizing, you know, where are the emotional hot buttons mm. and, and, you know, how do I reframe things now from NLP, you know, that's one of the main sort of skills that people with NLP are taught and it really helps you to recreate um, possibility with people is called a, a value-based reframe. So someone comes to you and says, it's really hard using Facebook ads when you say it's really hard doing Facebook ads, which part of Facebook ads do you mean? Mm. Um, well, 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 it just doesn't work in my business. What doesn't work? Oh, you see, because that's a great story, right? You know, that it's, oh, it's really hard hiring people, is it? You know, and then as soon as you can give them an alternative reality and say, well, the way that you're looking at it is a self-affirming, you know, reality, you're yeah. creating this kind of yeah. pronouncement. You're making a reality in your own head. And you're looking for mm -hmm. evidence. This is the same with sales. You know, if you think that you can support a billion dollar client to get to a trillion dollars, you're right. If you think no one will listen to you because you don't have any experience, you're right. So 
what choice are you going to make? And the other thing is, if you've got nothing and you ask a question and you go back to nothing, you didn't go backwards. <laughs> you just went back to where you were. Right. You can only win. And so I, I also, you know, encourage clients and encourage people. Can you fail more this month than last month? And the reason for that is, is because if you can fail more this month than last month, I know you did more from last month and you will learn more from last month. And even as you're trying to do things and you don't care about whether you win or not, you just will by default. Yeah, you'll definitely, you'll still. So there's more. lots of ways of results hacking the brain and getting people past their stuff. Um, because as we all know, there's how-to information everywhere. Yeah. So if you know, if you've read all the books on how to make a billion bucks, why haven't you got it? Yeah. And, and, and that's really what my stuff's about. It's combining both that unconscious with the conscious and, and also working with revealing people's genius and ease because none of us want to work hard. Um, I've suffered from fatigue since my early 30s and that was another reason why I became this kind of result-taking dude because I was like, man, I'm just running out of energy. Yeah. And, and then I started learning about 80, 20 and all that good stuff. And I'm like, so you're saying 20% of what I do delivers the majority of my results. I went and had a look at that and I went, I think it's even worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, so if I double what I'm doing, that 10% or 20%, I'm going to double my revenue and I can work less. Yeah. And then Ray Koch and Perry Belcher and various other people put out more information about that. And yeah, they confirmed the truth is it's not 80, 20, it's 95, five, 5% of what you're doing is creating 95% of your results. And so that again, just affirmed for me, the way that we're learning how to succeed and shift our results needs to change. And that's what I'm the advocate for. I love it. And you're hundred percent right. And sales is such a great analogy for that. And one of the things I've, I've taught reps and I, for myself, I have to do every day is I usually will just pick one or two things that I know they're going to move the needle, right? That's all I care about. And that's just what I attack and everything else kind of falls by the wayside. So we get so caught up in our, in our cell phones or email boxes. Like people think I'm crazy when my email, if I'm CC'd, I delete it. I don't care. Why? Why are you going to copy me? I'm just going to delete it. But people go through and they read it and then they want to go talk about it. I'm like, you're just wasting time. It's so inefficient. What, what, do you, what should you be focused on today that moves needle for you and your family? That's it. That's, that's all it's about. Um, but I really want to go back, Justin, on you know this, because you really don't have any fear. It, it's kind of how I see it. And hitting on that, because um, I think that that allows you to be your authentic self. And, and so many people struggle with awesome authenticity. And I, I'm the same way. You know, I've said I've, I've always worked with corporate America, but I'm the guy that they always make fun of because I have a bunch of tattoos and I show up to business meetings and backwards hats and stuff. And I just like, I am who I am. But I thought that's always helped me to be, I feel like a top performer as well. So they're like, oh, that's tight. People know me. Um, so was that, was that something that was a nurture for you where your parents kind of just like, Hey, just go be who you were. Or is that just kind of innately who you were kind of walk us through that journey of just being your authentic yeah. self from a young age? Yeah. Yes. And yes. <laughs> um, first off, my dad is, was a MC for like events. So he was always a bit of a front man and a bit of a charmer. So there's a little bit of that going on, but I come from a family of five boys. So, you know, it's uh -huh. like. If you don't learn how to 
handle a jandle as we would say or mm-hmm. <laughs> a jandle here is like what you call flip-flop you know it's like if you, if you can't handle you know being put under pressure or being pushed around or being bullied or whatever you know too bad you know like <laughs> your brothers <laughs> yeah. are going to eat your food they're going to take the best seat they're going to kick you out of the best seat in the car they're going to put their music on not your music you know but my mother would always say that I had this she told me the other day actually she was like you've got this attitude that you should already know that whatever's going on, you should already know. Mm-hmm. And it's quite interesting because when I heard her say that, I was like, I never really thought about that, but that's kind of true. Uh, you know, and from cognitive behavioral therapy, they'd probably call that an unrelenting standard, you know, where I'm constantly kind of going, I've got to learn that. I've got to know that. I've got to get yeah. ahead of everything. And yeah. so I'm kind of very future based, but yeah, fear was never really a problem. You know, you know, in New Zealand, our national sport is rugby. And yeah. as you guys know now from watching it on TV, we don't wear pads or helmets. Right. So when you've got your next oldest brother is five years older than you and you're playing rugby with them, you better be prepared to get hurt. And if you want to play, then that's your problem. So, and again, from skateboarding, if you can't handle pain, don't do it. Because right. skateboarding is a is a ruthless sport on your body. It's brutal. And you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, skateboarding is really kind of like acrobatic martial arts. You know, it's like because you have to use that energy to be creative. So if you're in pain, don't don't focus on the pain. Focus on don't you know? I'm not going to let that beat me. I've got to channel this into the next thing I'm going to do. Now, these are great entrepreneurial lessons because this, this is what everybody faces with their own business. Mm. You know, like something didn't work. What, what, what am I going to make this mean? I missed the sale. What am I going to make this mean? Am I going to make this mean that I'm not good enough? Am I going to make this mean that I didn't know enough? Am I going to make this mean that I was so close? If I keep going, there may be still an opportunity. You know, you can come up with all sorts of different attitudes and the reality is the choice is always yours. You're only one choice away from success always. And so, again, for me, when I'm encouraging people to grow their business, I'm like, so you either won or you learned. So which was it? Because if you missed the sale, what did you learn? Yeah. Well, I forgot to ask them about what solution they had before they met me. Uh-huh. And so what happened there? Well, they had some expectations that I didn't know about. Right. Okay. And so then when you offered your product, you hadn't knocked off all of the problems that they had with their previous product and all the things that they enjoyed about their previous product. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the next time, what are you going to do? What did you do previously before you met us? What did you enjoy about that product? And what would you change if you could? Now, as a consultative sales question, that's a power question because it literally tells you the previous thing I had sucked for this reason. These things were good. If you can fix the things that suck and give me what I already enjoyed, I'm a nirvana. Yeah. So, you know, one question, and that's what I'm saying about results hacks and optimization. Often you're one question away from your whole gig changing. You know, another one is a that I find works with anybody in any industry is a thing called pain funneling. And that is, you know, what's your current 
gap multiplied by the duration that you've suffered the gap. So for example, someone says, well, my sales budget is 50 grand and I'm currently operating at 30 grand. And you go, okay, so your gap's 20 grand a month. Is that right? Yeah. How long has that been going on for? Oh, I don't know. Three years. Okay. 36 times two. What does that come to? Oh, that's $720,000. Is that a lot of money to you? Now, to most people, you know, that's the significant amount of money. Absolutely. And, you know, and then you just, again, people buy emotionally and defend it logically. You amplify what's yeah. going on for them, what that could have happened if they had a focused on that optimization thing. And you say, would you like some support with helping to resolve that? Yeah. Okay. I've got a couple of ideas if you're open to them. Uh, you know, just those two things alone, those two questions, if I taught that, okay, I've got a sales seminar. Let me teach you two questions. It's going to take us about five minutes, but if you <laughs> apply them, I guarantee you could make hundreds of thousands of dollars more. It's, it's pretty simple. I know I charged you $1,000 to get in for five minutes, but trust me, it'll be worth it. You know, um, and time and time again, those little things. And those are the things that I love because I'm like, why do you think that you have to suffer through learning two year long courses to be able to sell stuff, <laughs> you know, and do all these homework and online courses and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, just form a deeper connection. Don't sell, solve, <laughs> you know, and understand that people buy emotionally and understand that how they're impacted by what you're doing and create a bright future. You know, it's not that difficult, um, but I'm clearly a weirdo because most of the people I come across don't do it that way. They're yeah. still stuck in that, you know, I'm going to attract and convert. I'm going to get you. And it's like, nobody wants to get gotten. Yeah. You know, no. like no, that's, I, I know. that's, that's, yeah. So, yeah, so anyway, that's a little bit more about sort of how that relates specifically to sales and how my cultural background impacts that. Because on a skateboard, for example, you know, you move your foot like just to there and you put it on the inside weight of the board and then the tail is going to slide a certain way when you're doing the trick. So you're thinking about the smallest little things that make the big difference. And, mm, and so that's that, powerful. That attitude has related on to everything, you know, like in yeah. rap battles, for example, you know, when, when someone's coming at you and you, you often find that a lot of people in rap battles have got like some sort of, I don't know, misplaced, at, you know, uh, anger, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm going to smash this guy. Da, 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 da. And uh, I used to love that because I'd be, I'd be like, man, it really sounds like you need a cuddle. And that life for you has been a bit of a struggle. You know, bring it in, man. You know, and and you can imagine, right, in this type yeah. of atmosphere where everyone's like, yeah, get him, man, get him. And then this guy's like, man, you know, let's just hug it out, bro. And it was always just like hilarious to me how easy that was because people don't see it coming. No. Um, and and that's the thing is that when you can read what's going on and read energy and trust your intuition too. Like I'm, I, I really have a strong trust in my intuition. My wife's a very strong intuitive and she really helped me to kind of believe in that a little bit more. Mm. And because again, so many people when they're looking at profit and loss, they go, well, you know, 
this, you know, if you go to an accountant with a profit and loss, what do they do? They go, oh, it looks like you need to make more sales. Oh, you think? You know, like, <laughs> you know, thanks for that. Yeah. Um, you know, when the truth is it's all about behavior. It's all about process. You know, it's like, okay, so what are we doing as leaders to embody our teams? And what are we doing in terms of process to unlock their abilities and potential? You know, what are we doing to unlock their creativity to expand our, our business capabilities? And, you know, I always enjoy reading books like The Seven Day Weekend and um, Seven Day Week and The Maverick um, by Ricardo Semler, you know, which is where Yale and Harvard send their management students because they're like, well, how, how did this company remove hierarchy and yet have rocket ship growth? And it's because they removed the idea that someone was better than you and they enabled everybody to be an adult, not feel like they're a less than or a child. Yeah, yeah a lot of businesses yeah. are set up like a parent-child parent thing. I'm the parent and let me tell you what's good for you. It's like, that doesn't make me want to step up for you. Yeah. And, and, and again, um, I, I, I love that sort of mindset and it's very much what New Zealand's like as a culture. We don't really have much hierarchy here. So we have an attitude as a culture of why not? And that's why you see a lot of Kiwis like film directors like Taika Waititi and um, um, Peter Jackson and people like that and, and, and sports people and all sorts of stuff doing crazy big things. And you go, that, isn't that country tiny? I'm like, yeah, it is tiny, but the attitude is like, you know, we would say in New Zealand, oh, just give it a go, bro. You know, <laughs> sweet as. <laughs> have a bit of a go. <laughs> and, and it's um, some people would call it naivety, but that naivety can take you a long way. I, I, yeah, I, lo I love that. I didn't know that about the culture. And what you just said resonated with me so much. So I've got uh, both my, my, uh, my two-year-old pit bull and my seven-year-old out there. They're watching us uh, through the glass doors mm -hmm. there. Um, nice. And so, uh, you know, when I first, I took my big manager job right at 27. The first time I felt like I had a lot of responsibility. And I had, you know, two of my subordinates. I'm using air quotes for people uh, that can't see me on the podcast uh, listening. But they were, one was 57 and one was 62. Both were older than my mom, right? And so I just, I was like, I don't need to tell this person who's older than my mother, like, I don't need to talk down to them. Like, I need to go to them to learn how have you been so successful to be here for 20 years in a pretty tough environment, you know, teach me about the city, teach me about, because I just moved to Santa Barbara. Um, and so it was, I just took a different approach. That office hadn't hit gold in 10 years. We hit it my second month there. Didn't change anybody on the staff, you know, and it was just because yeah, I, it's I, amazing. I, right. And I've, and I've I never totally agree. I love the fact that you shared that. And the reason is, is because I deal a lot with people that, you know, I remember working in a, the sales process company and we would do recruitment and train people. And, and you just saw ageism, like discrimination, like every day. Like people were like, if you're over 50 and you don't have a solid job, then there must be something wrong with you. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. Like you're going to give up 30 plus, you know, 50 to 60 years old and they're going, oh, you know, you can't be very good. You won't be flexible. You can't learn. And I was like, wow. And it blew my mind. And I'm like, so all that wisdom, all that knowledge is being ignored and, and put aside. And, 
And, you know, the reality is, is that we all just want to feel like we belong. And if yeah. someone's already been on the planet for this long doing this thing, it stands to reason they've learned a few lessons, you yeah. know. Yeah, 100%. And it's amazing to me how people think, oh, well, you know, they've got a problem with technology, therefore they're useless. I go, you understand that technology is just there to support relationships. Yeah. And that if someone's been on the planet for this long, they're probably pretty effective at relationships. Yeah. So don't get too warped up on whether they press the right Zoom button. You know, it's like whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll tell you one more thing, Justin, because what you just said too about the ageism, you know, I went in, into that and I ended up going down to, to Orange County and we did a lot of hiring where, where I was at, at the time. And I remember it, this uh, woman came in, she had early mid fifties, somewhere in there. And I looked at her resume and I saw she had been a teacher for 20 years. And then I saw that her current job was she was working at a tire shop and she was applying to be an insurance agent. The, the two other people on the panel with me are like, nah, can't do it. She's, she's, she's never been in sales. She's a teacher. Like, I don't even know why we're interviewing her. Right. Uh, and so they didn't want to do the interview. I said, well, we've got to do the interview. She's coming in the interview. So we do the interview. And so I start talking to her about what she learned as a teacher. Then we start talking to her about the tire sales. And so I start talking, to her, well, talk to me about your process. She goes, well, I went home every day for the first two months and I learned every single thing about tires. And so she took the time to learn about tires and she starts explaining to me her process and how she sells tires and how she provides value and how she wants to protect families. And I was like, this, this is exactly who we want. Right. So I hired her. And then, so they said, well, since you hired her, she has to go on your team. I said, beautiful. I think she's going to be a killer. And she was, she was the top producer and people were fucking mind blown that I hired a retired teacher who was working at a tire shop and in her mid fifties and she crushed it. And I said, you can't make assumptions because she, all that stuff that she learned teaching kids, communication, like that was so prevalent to, you know, that's, the sales. Point. that's all it is. Don't you understand if you have 30 kids in a room that you got to make 30 sales a day. Yeah, it's like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I really love that. I, I love, love what it. you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I want you to, as we kind of start to wind down a little bit, if you could just kind of give us a high level overview, I, I'm sure we basically just talked about it, but your shift method um, and kind of what mm -hmm. that encompasses. Yeah, well, what's shift again is a, I've got a few different elements in there, specifically the sales stuff. I use a, this methodology called connect and solve. But what I find with the shift method is really, again, it's really more about what are you doing to optimize your outcomes? And that starts, but I do it in reverse. So product design and offer design, those things should always be done in reverse. And in NLP, they taught a, a teaching style called format, number four MAT. For anyone listening or watching, go check that out. You'll find it fascinating about how to create offers and products and courses and programs. And it also pertains to your life. You kind of go, okay. And I remember doing this exercise with a young guy, and it's a good story that kind of explains very quickly how I create change for people. And this guy had a tequila business and he's like, okay, well, we're earning this much and we're doing that and I'm trying to, I'm trying to grow it. And I go, okay, cool. So let's just say, you know, you've ended the tequila business and you've exited. What did you, what did, what do you now have in your life that you didn't have before? And he goes, oh, well, I want to sell it. No, no. What have you got? Oh, 
oh, okay, well, I want a house in Malibu and I want this and I want that. Okay, so how much is that? 30, okay, 30 million. Okay, cool. So then very quickly I went, so what's the size of your business? Okay, so let's say that that's going to sell for a factor of 3.5 to 9. How much, how many shares have you gotten that? Therefore, it has to reach this level of sales. Therefore, you're playing a local game. You've got to be playing a global game and yeah. you've got to find a way to exit. So your whole strategy and tactics need to be focused around presenting this business to somebody who will buy it. And so you're asking the wrong question. You need to yeah. be figuring out how do I present this business for purchase? not how to grow this business. Ah, okay. Now, don't get me wrong. You've, of course, you've got to grow your sales to make it look good. Sure. But that whole thing, that conversation took like, I don't know, two minutes, three minutes. And he's just going, you just reverse engineered my whole life. And I went, yeah. yeah. And I went, because you're going, hope one day it shows up. Now, most business owners that I deal with, that's exactly what they're doing. And especially marketing. Marketing is one of those things too where you go, why are you doing this? Well, you know, people say this is the way to do it, yeah, but what's happening? Well, it's, it's going okay. When you say it's going okay, what does that mean? And they really don't know their numbers. It's more like I'm putting faith and hope and tradition and what everyone else in my yeah. industry is doing and I'm crossing my fingers. And, and, you know, again, I've worked with a few insurance companies, you know, in terms of their marketing and what they're trying to do and, it seems like it's quite a, a hyper-competitive industry. Yeah, it is. And, and, in, and in New Zealand, you know, I find a lot of people are very adverse to the idea of emotional marketing because they're worried about compliance. And I'm like, okay, that might be difficult for you to do, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't keep persisting <laughs> because you're in a business that's ultimately it's commoditized. So you've got to find some other way around it. And one of my clients, he said, he said, well, I'm, I'm trained in mortgages, I'm trained in insurance, I'm trained in this and trained in that. I says, well, good. Then you don't sell insurance. You sell financial growth solutions. Mm -hmm. He's like, what do you mean? I went, stop saying you sell insurance. Say you do financial growth solutions. Someone meets you, what do you do? Financial growth solutions. How do you do that? I find optimized businesses, optimized policies, optimized this and that, 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 and I bundle this all together for people so that their whole life and business is all is all growing, not just one part of it. Now, if I said I'm an insurance versus that guy, which guy am I choosing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right. One's a transactional thing and the other one's transformational. And so I do that a lot with my clients is reframe how they're doing it. Now, you also hear that that's solution selling. Mm -hmm. What I just said was, I, I by default, I've increased the average sale because there's more items per invoice, right? Items per sale. I have solution solved because I've talked about their whole life, not just this particular thing in front of them. I've future paced them. I've, I've also... You know, if I expanded on that, I've also said, don't tell me you've got two or three different types of insurance. You've got two or three different people you've got to contact. You've got this, that, and the other thing, all these things that are cumbersome and time-consuming and challenging. Imagine if there was one person that you could, you could connect with. You see, and that's what I find with a lot of people in different industries is they go, well, this is the way it's always been done. I go, and that's the reason why you suck.
a hundred percent. You don't have any bright. You're not. You you don't have the ability to challenge the status quo, and yet you somehow feel you should get paid more than the status quo. Right. You're not bringing more value. No. Yeah. So, so that's really what I do is, and again, a lot of that stuff is quite challenging to people's belief systems. Remember I said beliefs form behaviors and behaviors form outcomes. Like I can show you the right strategies and tactics, but you have to believe it first. And I had a design company that came to me and said, look, we have a problem with bottlenecks with time. You know, clients are constantly coming us and want our work done yesterday. Okay. I said, well, well, so then charge them for rapid service, which seems obvious. But you see, in the design industry, that's not obvious because everybody does it. And that was her response. And I was like, well, you're not holding a gun to anyone's head. Just come up with a rate card and say, as you can appreciate, if you want your stuff done today or I have to, I have to you know, knock everybody else down. So there's a small fee for that because there's an inconvenience to everybody else, as you can appreciate. Yeah. Um, but I want you to get what you want. Now, you see, that's mutual win-win. They understand, yeah, okay, I have inconvenienced you. Yes, I still do really want that stuff like yesterday. I can appreciate that that should cost a little bit more. She created a, a rate card called, um, what was it? Godspeed, light speed, and warp speed, <laughs> which is super cool. Yeah. And it increased their average sale by 37%. Wow, that's incredible. Now, that one belief shifted. She creates the rate card, and within 10 days, that's what happens. And most people, when they hear this stuff, they go, oh, that sounds interesting. Oh, that's quite cool. But they just struggle to believe that it could happen for them. Now, I dealt with a media positioning guy. Did the same thing with the sales process. I said, the way that you're positioning this, you're giving people the chance to say yes or no, not A or B. And you're not doing a good enough job of segmenting these leads before you get into the conversation. Therefore, of course, your conversion rate is going to be average. He started using these techniques. He goes, man, in two months, I've generated an extra 100 grand. So on my head, I go two months, multiplied by six. So that 20-minute conversation has generated will generate 600 grand annual. <laughs> that's, so, that's so incredible. And, you know, that's a that's a hell of a lot of money, you know, to most people. Yes. And that's the stuff that I love to do. I just love doing that because we all want to get to a place where our life has more freedom. Our life has more choice. Yeah. Our, our life balance makes sense. Yeah. And coming from a place like, you know, the South Pacific, you know, we've got that dialed in, you know, like yeah. we, we don't, we don't work, you know, we, we don't live to work. We work to live. And yeah. we, you know, my American wife is always like, another holiday here? Wow, you guys really know how to do it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, it's great. Very funny. Uh, Justin, I've, I've really, uh, I've loved chatting with you. I mean, we've been, I mean, um, we have so many connections, even stuff like I come from all brothers. You know, I've got two sons. So, you know, just uh, so many synchronicities. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, where can people find you and connect with you? Uh, where would be the best spot um, to, to, to hit you up? Yeah, again, um, just ishiftresults.com. So the letter I, shiftresults.com. That's the, the best place. And you can find me on LinkedIn and, and on Facebook, just my name, Justin Cunningham. You'll, you'll find me. Just look for the ugly guy. 
and uh, <laughs> he'll be there. Um, no, no, but you know, I'm 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 a very open guy. I love to connect with new people and hear about where people are going. I I, I particularly I call the, my clients shift agents. Most of my my clients are kind of interested in creating some sort of shift in the world or shift in their industry or a new way of doing things. And so I call them shift agents. And and again, if that connects with the people that are watching or listening, I would uh, I'd love to hear from you and and see if I can support you in some way. Perfect, beautiful for everybody listening or watching. Um, all of Justin's uh, contact info will be in the show notes, so you can scroll right down. Uh, go check out his site. Uh, connect with him on LinkedIn. Both those will be there. Uh, Justin, thank you so much uh, for your time today. I've, I've loved our conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks, brother.